Informing. Entertaining. The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. Hey, and welcome aboard the Monday edition. Hey, uh, happy President's Day. Uh, it is 5.09 on Monday, February 19th. Uh, glad you tuned in. Boy, it's uh, it's quiet around the studio here. Everybody else got the day off, and so I'm not taking the day off. I had to work my day job, so doggone it, we all are. Um, but coming up in just a moment, uh, an epic battle is unfolding in Nebraska over renewable energy, and we'll chat about that with our friends from Flatwater Free Press, uh, Matthew Hansen and reporter Nancy Garter here in just a moment. Moment. And coming up at the bottom of the hour after the news break, uh, Congressman Mike Flood will join us live uh, here on the show. So, yeah, we got plenty to do on President's Day. I don't know what everybody else is doing. Uh, we're going to build up instead of tear down a little truth over tribalism uh, and principles over partisanship. That's what we're doing. Thanks for tagging along today. Uh, say hello to Mr. Johnny Cadillac, producer extraordinaire. Johnny, welcome back. Well, thank you, Dan. I'm just with you <coughs> with you there today. It's a, it's a holiday to me, as in I didn't get any mail today. <laughs> and I guess we can remember some presidents of the past, but uh, I've been working all day today, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we missed you Friday on the Friday Afternoon Club, and I'm teasing you to, to, if you haven't seen some of the pictures of the pizza we... Oh, I saw. I saw. <laughs> it was I, pizza and beer uh, day at the Friday Afternoon Club. I just finished eating my late lunch and dinner, and then now I'm hungry all over again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, it's my delight, as we do every... Uh, Monday afternoon to, to uh, welcome Mr. Matthew Hansen, the editor of Flatwater Free Press, uh, Nebraska's very first uh, nonprofit newsroom. Matthew, welcome aboard. Happy President's Day. Happy President's Day to you, Dan. Yeah. I'm enjoying the free parking here in downtown Omaha. <laughs> yeah, there is some. Uh, see, so you must be working. Yes, yeah, we don't get President's Day off. You know, well, you know when when I worked uh, back uh, years and years and years ago, and uh, I worked both in state and federal government, and I was always excited to, as a state employee. I got one more holiday uh, with, uh, uh, what's the tree holiday? Arbor Day. So anyway, what's oh, that? Oh, yeah, there you go. So anyway, those, those, those days are long past, though, <laughs> being an entrepreneur and running my own shop. Uh, yeah, I I don't have days off. Well, if I have days off. I I get to choose uh, myself, but nobody gives me a day off. So anyway. I feel your pain. I feel your pain. <laughs> yeah, you can relate to that. Uh, well, Matthew, uh, I'm delighted to uh, chat about this uh, this topic, and I'll let you kind of introduce the story. But uh, I'll, I'll just uh, remind our listeners: uh, in my day job, my public relations job, I have uh, represented some uh, renewable energy uh, companies in the state. Uh, in the past, and so I'm familiar with this issue. Uh, I've lived this issue, and so I'm so uh, grateful for Flatwater to uh, to shine some light uh, on a very important issue here in our state. And and uh, so anyway, uh, Nancy Garter is uh, on the line as well, the reporter uh, for this story. And so Matthew, I'll just uh, shut up and let you talk about this story. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we really like to do at Flatwater is is, is kind of dive deeper into issues that everybody kind of knows are important, but, you know, it, it takes some time and energy and, and honestly some skill to kind of suss out the various uh, reasons for something like, I mean, they're pretty simple questions, right? Is opposition to, to renewable energy growing in various parts of Nebraska? 
And and if the answer is yes, the question, the very simple question is why? And and so, you know, Nancy Garter, who's a, a, a longtime, really skilled environmental uh, energy reporter, um, uh, you know, who long worked at the World Herald, uh, agreed to do this story for us. And it, it's exactly what we want to be doing. And I thought she did a, a really nice job with it. So I'm glad you, you're having her on today. Absolutely, Matthew. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, this is big business. I mean, this is, um, <clears throat> you know, Nebraska has the opportunity to really... Um, you know, uh, uh, way into this uh, industry, and because we have abundant sunshine, we have abundant wind, and uh, but we also have uh, concerns from landowners and uh, and others about uh, how these projects are developed and what are the consequences uh, for property owners uh, and their neighbors. So, uh, well, uh, Matthew, I'll uh, uh, I'll uh, excuse you and let you get back to your uh, President's Day uh, festivities. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Okay, very good. Thanks, Matthew. Uh, Nancy Garter, are you with us uh, on the telephone? Yes, I am. Nancy, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule on President's Day to join us. Uh, yeah, kudos to you. You you did some uh, deep diving uh, in this story, and and I just kind of want to set this up by uh, one of the quotes from your story that stuck out to me, and then I'll I'll be quiet and let you talk about it. But uh, a cherry ca- and, and and part of the theme of this uh, of your story is uh, those. Uh, people who are opposing uh, these projects, and, and and you balance that with others who are uh, the reasons of supporting it. But uh, this this quote struck out uh, stuck out for me. A Cherry County Planning Board chairman who actually ended up resigning, uh, according to your story, over the vitriol of of people uh, about these projects. He said, "It's got so out of hand." Uh, there were just one or two people who were, pardon my language, bat blank crazy. They would not listen to facts. And so I, I thought you captured that pretty well because, uh, yeah, emotions are running high across the state uh, about these projects, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. And so I, I want to thank Dan for having me on the program and thank Matthew for those very kind words. So very much appreciate the opportunity to talk about this story and about Flatwater. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll just kind of set the table and let you uh, take off here. But um, <clears throat> I think Nebraskans know uh, you you report since the 1980s, Nebraska has seen a six-fold increase uh, in a billion-plus weather disasters that have affected the state uh, and worsening disasters most likely lie ahead, uh, state scientists uh, have said, and so one of the solutions, of course, of of uh, reducing uh, greenhouse gas effects <clears throat> is getting rid of um, uh, oil and coal-powered uh, energy and, and relying on something that's cleaner. So, uh, and Nebraskans have uh, have responded to those opportunities. And uh, as John Hansen, you quote, president, of course, of the Nebraska Farmers Union. Uh, Nebraska ranks in the top five for wind power uh, and top 15 for solar. So there is lots of opportunity out there. Yeah, so kind of the crux of the story is that Nebraska is ground zero for this whole debate. And it starts with the fact that our state is um, among the top in the nation, like second or third for its dependence on agriculture for its economy. And agriculture, of course, is weather dependent. 
And we live in that part of the planet that is, has some of the most extreme weather in the world and is expected to become more extreme with climate, is becoming already more extreme with climate change. We're seeing that in larger hail. We're seeing that in biblical flooding. We, um, uh, uh, intense drought. We had the flash drought of 2012 that just really astonished the state, left farmers and ranchers gobsmacked. Um, <clears throat> so, and then, you know, you have big snowstorms, uh, out of whack heat and cold. So at any rate, climate change is the um, underlying issue, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Absent climate change, why would anyone, you know, you could make an argument pretty easily against uh, altering the nature of the sandhills and putting up wind turbines. But the climate change really is the underlying issue. Um, That isn't the topic that people talk about in Nebraska. In Nebraska, uh, this renewable energy issue is... um, framed as a property rights issue, a quality of life issue. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the question really is, do uh, does uh, one neighbor have the right to tell another neighbor what to do yeah. with his property? Yeah. Does the neighbor who puts up a wind turbine have the right to infringe on the view shed and et cetera of, yeah. of his neighbor? Um, wind and solar are economic opportunities to yeah. rural Nebraska. But they are changes in the landscape. Um, and so this really is a very big property rights issue. Yeah. And, it, and it's not dissimilar to the, the um, wars over barbed wire, you know. Right. And you're, yeah. yeah. Well, Nancy, uh, sorry to interrupt. We need to take a quick little break here. And let's come back and continue this conversation uh, with Nancy Garter from Flatwater Free Press. Come on back after these quick messages. To the Dan Parsons Show on fourteen hundred and ninety nine three KLIN, and welcome back to the President's Day edition of the show. We're delighted you stuck around. Uh, we are visiting uh, with Nancy Garter, a reporter for Flatwater Free Press, and just to remind you, you can uh, check out Nancy's story about renewable energy in the state. Uh, just go to flatwaterfreepress.org. They are. Nebraska's very first nonprofit newsroom, no paywall. Uh, they're a nonprofit, so they'll take your contribution, but uh, uh, you can view and read uh, Nancy's story uh, free of cost. Um, and uh, yeah, Nancy, just uh, appreciate you sticking around here. And uh, yeah, this is a complicated uh, issue, and I know uh, in the short time we have, it's tough to convey of that. So anyway, one more reason for people to uh, to sign on to flatwaterfreepress.org and read your story. But um, yeah, this uh, the, this challenge of of information, and we all know uh, in this era of you know, Google-dominated uh, news sources that uh, everyone's an expert, right? And so some of these uh, folks that show up for these meetings are uh, maybe not as informed as uh, as some of the people that are developing these projects and the people who are regulating them would hope they would be. But uh, at, and, and you write that a half dozen Nebraska counties have enacted some of the nation's uh, strictest, stricted, strictest, excuse me, uh, zoning regulations. Yes, that's right. And and going back to the idea of Nebraska being ground zero for this issue, we have in Nebraska some of the best wind resources, certainly in the nation, but they're on par with inequality around the world. And um, and we have the advantage of being in in the U.S., where you have a population that can that consumes that electricity and then, of course, can use that wind. 
if you're going to generate electricity. So we have really excellent wind. We have really darn good solar. So that's another reason we're at the center of this fight. And um, some counts, and, and, and the reason local counties get involved is that local counties write the zoning rules that determine what can be built. Right. That is what can, what uh, the rules under which wind turbines or solar farms can be built. And because this is such a hot, bush, hot button issue, there's a lot of animosity around it. Some of the counties have decided to write very strict rules that make it difficult to develop the projects with any density. And, and you can go back and forth on whether that's good or bad, but the actual consequence of it is that in some counties you can't build a wind farm um, or it isn't economically feasible. And why does that matter to Nebraskans? Well, if you don't like wind farms, then you're pretty happy. But if you but, but wind farms and solar are um, one of the few things that can bring economic development to rural Nebraska. And so that's why they're seen as an economic development. So the landowners get paid rent for the wind turbine and the solar farm, and the counties get uh, added tax revenue because there's new development in the county. Yeah, you write in your story that based on public and private data, uh, it's estimated that commercial-scale wind uh, wind power already generates more than $17 million in landowner income and another $17 million in tax revenue in the state. Um, those projects, you write, um, have added uh, $6.1 billion, with a B, to the state's uh, tax base, uh, slightly more than even ethanol plants. And so, yeah, I, I think it's obvious for the people uh, in the state, whether it's uh, uh, local uh, county boards or um, you know, local municipalities in this. I mean, every politician that we hear from uh, for seems like generations have complained about uh, property taxes in the state. Well, here's one of those. You know, what's the solution? Well, we one of the solutions is adding to the to the tax revenue so we can uh, have the opportunity anyway to lower uh, some of those taxes and. Um, and and so anyway, those are opportunities that a lot of people think that we're missing out on. And so what makes this so compelling is that some people are saying, some counties are saying thanks but no thanks, right? Yeah. And so it's very, um, very interesting discussion that's really quite, quite consequential. This isn't just about... Um, uh, feel-good energy, so to speak. This is a consequential issue to what does the landscape look like, what is the nature of farming, what is the nature of rural economic development. Some people, for some for some landowners, the income from these uh, projects can keep their farm afloat. But is that a good enough reason to do them? And uh, if, if, uh, if it creates division within the community or perceived harm to others, so it's a pretty big deal, really. Yeah, it is. Uh, you quote John Hansen again, president of uh, Nebraska Farmers Union, uh, and he said the issue has become so fraught that uh, that Nebraska communities are losing their ability to compromise. Uh, you quote John Hansen saying, we are no longer having people of goodwill coming together 
to protect our public health and safety. Uh, the goal of the opposition is to come up with regulations that will kill projects. And by doing so, John Hansen uh, says in your column, in your story, uh, that they take away their neighbor's rights. And you mentioned that earlier, Nancy, is... Yeah, I mean, as a as a landowner, I have certain rights as long as it's legal activity to do what I want with in that land. And certainly my neighbors can have an opinion, uh but ultimately as a landowner, I should have the right to say what I do with that land. So, and, and that's the difficulty, right? Because again, um in some Nebraska counties, they've looked at this and said, you know, we're, we're just not going down that road. Yeah. And so it's. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Well, Nancy, this goes so fast. We could do a whole show about this, but we'll have you back. Uh, we'll continue to follow your work. I appreciate your good investigative reporting and uh, appreciate your time here on a, on a holiday Monday. Well, thank you, Dan. Take care. You bet. Take care, Nancy. Nancy Garter, uh, Flatwater Free Press, uh, do. Uh, this is an important issue to the state. And, and again, this uh, more long-form journalism that uh, Flatwater Free Press gets to uh, accomplish because of their model. Uh, and, again, this story, as many <coughs> Flatwater Free Press stories uh, often do, uh, they not only give their uh, news away to the readers, but, but they also... Uh, encourage other news outlets to pick uh, stories up. And so I know there was a 1011 <clears throat> story on this. And, and so this story is being picked up around the country of, of an, ex- of, of what's going on in the state of Nebraska, uh, when it comes to renewable energy. So anyway, I encourage you to check that out, flatwaterfreepress.org. And, uh, yeah. Let us know what you think. Uh, well, uh, coming up after the news break here at the bottom of the hour, uh, First District Congressman Mike Flood will join us, uh, and we're going to be talking about, uh, you know, uh, Congress is on break, uh, and uh, uh, when they come back in a few days, uh, they they will address uh, some of the spending issues, uh, and inclu- including funding the government, obviously important, uh, but also there's been a lot of discussion about this f- uh, large spending package <clears throat> dealing with uh, funding for Ukraine. Ukraine uh, the Middle East, uh, and also border security. Uh, and Congress left town and did not get, uh, did not take that up. Uh, the Senate, uh, uh, has. And so anyway, there, uh, we'll talk with, uh, Congressman Mike Flood about that, uh, after the break, after we have some news. So anyway, enjoy the news on this President's Day. Come on back and join us with Congressman Mike Flood. Uh, here on 1,499, 3 KLIN. Come on back. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. 
just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Educating, informing, entertaining. The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. Hey, welcome back to the President's Day uh, edition of the Dan Parsons Show. Thanks for tuning us in, whatever you're doing. I, I noticed, Johnny, on the drive uh, from downtown, there was uh, not as much traffic as as Chase just told us. Oh. Yeah, right? I, I, I believe it. Yeah. I definitely believe it. Yeah, there's fewer people out. I saw some, <laughs> I saw some uh, parents taking their kids to afternoon movies when I was out getting lunch this afternoon. So, yeah, good for you. Celebrating President's Day uh, the way you should. <laughs> uh, well, my thanks to editor Matthew Hansen and reporter Nancy Garter uh, from Flatwater Free Press uh, for joining us uh, here on uh, on President's Day. Uh, check them out, flatwaterfreepress.org. Uh, no paywall. You, know, you can get in, in, in there without uh, uh, breaking the bank. Uh, let me tell you what's coming up on tomorrow's show. Uh, it's our week or monthly uh, visit with uh, Lincoln City Council. Uh, Tom Beckius, uh, chairman of the, uh, your Lincoln City Council, has a day off. Uh, so Sandra Washington, uh, the vice chair of the Lincoln City Council, will join us uh, tomorrow. So tune in for that. Uh, I'll just remind you to follow us on X, formerly known as the Twitter uh, in Facebook, because, uh, yeah, we'd love to continue the conversation. And you can find out who the guests are ahead of time if you forget. Uh, and if you miss anything, uh, tune us in on your favorite podcast platform any darn time you like. You can always catch us there. Uh, well, it's my pleasure to welcome back to the show. It's been too darn long. Congressman Mike Flood. Uh, Congressman, welcome back. Hey, good to be on. Hope all is well, Dan. It is well, Congressman. Thanks for taking time uh, on your uh, time off. So I understand you you get some time off, a little 12-day uh, winter recess. It's always scheduled and uh, uh, leaving uh, a list of to-dos, uh, as I understand, back, uh, back in Washington. But uh, you and your colleagues have some work to do when you get back. But anyway, before we get into that... Um, yeah, are you are you back in the district and and working hard? I know you always are working hard, but what's what are your plans for the uh, for the for the break back here in the district? Well, I'm excited. Tomorrow, I'm going to be uh, hosting uh, elected officials, law enforcement officials, uh, for an effort that I'm going to be unveiling, addressing the severe shortage of law enforcement officers in a lot of our Nebraska first district communities and. Uh, Tomorrow at uh, 2.45 at the Cornhusker uh, in the office plaza foyer there, I'm going to be holding a press conference with uh, leaders in law enforcement from across the 1st District. And we're going to talk about really what the impact is on our local communities and uh, a new plan that I've put together to try and make Nebraska even more attractive to, to Americans to say, hey, I want to be a police officer in Lincoln. I want to work in Schuyler. How do I get into Starby County? How do I work in Norfolk? And, and what are the real benefits? Uh, we have gone a long way in Nebraska to make our state very attractive, in fact, more than most, and I'll be unveiling that tomorrow at 2.45. Uh, later in the week, I am off to New York for a field hearing to talk about housing. Uh, earlier uh, this year, I had a big forum in, uh, in the Columbus area. We talked about workforce housing, had representatives from Lincoln and all over the 1st District there, 
Um, I'm on the housing subcommittee, and so uh, it's, it's one thing to have a workforce problem. It's another thing to have no yeah. literally no houses for them to live in. And so those are really my priorities this week. Oh, I appreciate that, Congressman. That uh, Yeah, like all, uh, seems like, fields of work, uh, we're lacking uh, qualified workers, and law enforcement is no exception. So uh, that's important. Thanks for your leadership on that. And, and I've heard you say before, sitting on that subcommittee on housing, uh, that, yeah, it seems like the big cities and the New Yorks and L.A. get all the attention. And so thanks for your leadership of, of, of putting the spotlight on the needs of, uh, of housing in rural uh, America as well. It just doesn't make sense to me that, you know, you could have a couple or even a single person. They're working 40, well over 40-plus hours a week. And if you've got your head to the grindstone, you're working, you are doing everything right, you're showing up and, and pleasing your employer – you should find a way into a house. That is the American dream. And uh, under Joe Biden, we've seen literally uh, three years of runaway inflation. Housing prices are up over 16 percent in counties like Platte County. And, you know, interest rates to buy a house, you know, the 30-year the mortgage, 7, 8, 9 percent, depending on the day of the week or the month. And uh, that doesn't work for a lot of families. And so we've got to look at alternatives. We've got to say to ourselves, hey, uh, lending companies. You've got to look at manufactured homes. They've got pitched roofs now. They're in neighborhoods with sidewalks and fire hydrants. How do we get working folks into these rural communities? And recently I went on a tour uh, with uh, city staff and the mayor of Lincoln, and yeah. we went all over the city of Lincoln, and I saw some really good affordable housing projects that uh, would be very attractive to a first-time home buyer. And it's been happening right in and under our noses here in the city of Lincoln. If Lincoln can do it, so many other places can. And I just want to make that happen. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate your leadership on that. Well, um, one of the th- things I wanted to talk about, Congressman, is uh, uh, is you know there's been a lot of discussion uh, nationally about uh the Senate's uh, bipartisan uh, 95 billion dollar national security supplement uh supplemental and uh, in that package obviously you know more about this than than I do but uh the headlines have been talking about the aid for Ukraine uh funding for Israel and Taiwan uh and then of course emergency legislation to address the the migrant crisis at the southern border um but y'all went home, and so you still got some work to do on that uh, when you get back. So, what are what's where are we at with all that? And I know it's a longer conversation, but we'll take the rest of the show uh, to chat about it if you like. But well, you know, the the House has been very clear from the start. We passed HR two last year. The Senate never took it up. It was our comprehensive border strategy that instituted simple policies like remain in Mexico, where you don't get to sit in the United States uh, without the ability to work for years on end, uh, and and we have less national security to show for it. And Speaker Johnson has said that he wants to work with the Senate and find a way to yes, but it does have... Whoops. Uh, we have to support our allies. Congressman, you cut out there a little bit. Are you still with us? I supported Ukraine. I do believe that defeating uh, Vladimir Putin is in our national interest. The guy's a thug and a killer. And uh, the more I learn about the way he operates in Russia, it's exactly the kind of place that no one should be doing business. Um, And people that live under his regime are are literally living in a vestige of the old USSR. It's scary and it's bad. The FSB is the KGB now. And so, yes, 
can we defeat Ukraine? We sh- can we defeat uh, to Ru- Russia? We should. Uh, we should assist our Ukrainian friends. But we live in a situation where I know to be successful in the House of Representatives, it has to include border security. Um, when when I had a free shot at supporting uh, Israel, I did it along with most of my Republican friends, and it failed. Uh, that was very unfortunate. Uh, we can we have to send the message that America is strong. We stand with our allies, but we also our border security yeah congressman you're cutting out a little bit uh cell phone reception it sounds like but um yeah you know i i, I just have been confused uh with uh, uh, why i certainly understand uh, the need to fix the border and i certainly understand those in congress who want to continue to support uh or uh, you know to defeat uh the russian aggression in in uh in in europe and uh and i and so i understand the ability to come together and compromise and and bring those those two issues uh together under under one bill but what i don't understand is this uh hesitation by some members of of the republican party to uh to not uh, f- fund uh money for ukraine and and we've seen it uh, you know the headlines are showing that they're really struggling right now. They're out of ammunition, and and so you know the Republican Party that I grew up with uh, understood the need for national security, and and especially with uh, with with NATO. So anyway, I just wanted your thoughts on that. Well, I think, and you know, a lot of my colleagues have said, and I agree with them. When we talk about Ukraine, we should be talking about lethal aid. There's a lot of different proposals out there that. Uh, members of both parties, both the progressives and some of those on the right, uh, would say we're, we're, we're sending uh, money that is not intended uh, for armaments or for artillery or lethal aid to help the, the government of Ukraine defeat Vladimir Putin. And so to the extent there have been some objections looking at the Senate's proposal, I've heard concerns based on the, the lack of... Uh, Oh, uh, specificity and wanting it to be lethal aid. But I really think we're going to get through that. I think when you look at the entirety of the House of Representatives, uh, there are enough members that want to make sure Ukraine knows that uh, we have their back against Vladimir Putin. Uh, it's not too much to ask the Senate to take the House seriously and send us a package that does include border security. And if they don't, uh, explain why not. Why Why do we have to go to back to our BFWs and our American legions and to our small communities and explain to people why literally 10,000 people a day are crossing the border, and those are the ones that we know about, not to mention the ones that are running the drugs and the guns, uh, the, the folks that are on the terrorist watch list, and they've got the methamphetamine and the fentanyl. It's a bad situation. And I don't think it's too much to ask that we have a comprehensive solution. That said, we've tried one-offs. We sent aid over there for Israel, and it was rebuffed by the Senate. Um, that made no sense to me. And so this is, you know, I come from a unicameral where we yeah. don't have these issues. Right. And I, and I hear what you say. But as a, as a member of Congress, you know, I, I don't think we can put enough ideas out there because it's time to, you know, settle in on a, a course and communicate our support. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Well, and 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 by the time you get to a ninety-five billion dollar uh, uh, bill, uh, I suspect, as you suggested, that there's uh, some things in there that uh, is tough to maybe uh, discover and uh, you know piggybacking on one thing and then the other. And so, uh, 
yeah, I'm sure you've got great research and staff to to help through that. But uh, yeah, that just must be <clears throat> uh, just so frustrating to, uh, and and especially for you. you, as you said, coming from the unicameral, you were a leader uh, in the in, in our bipartisan uh, legislature, and uh, coming into an environment that is so different, <laughs> it must just be uh, at, at times very frustrating. But you know, the thing is. Doesn't, not, not everything has to be pristine. It could be uh, we we have to get the money to the Israelis. I mean, they on you know in, in early October they faced the most horrific assault on the Jewish state yeah. since the Holocaust. Yeah. Um, I know their support there. They're sixteen billion dollars. Let's figure out what the lethal aid number is for Ukraine, and at a minimum, let's put in policies that become the law of our nation, like remain in Mexico to stop the flow. Things that Joe Biden could do today with an executive order, things that he, by executive order, got rid of when he took over the White House. Mm-hmm. And that, is, that that doesn't include everything in H.R. 2. But at this point, from the Senate, I don't see any creative thinking going on. And I know in the House, uh, you know, you could watch TV and think that that's the majority of us. The reality is there's a lot of members of the House that want to stand with our allies. These are complex issues, and we also want to use the opportunity to protect our border. And so I do, I am hopeful that we'll have something. These are too big of issues to not act on, and I'm pretty hopeful, uh, very, very hopeful that we will get somewhere. You bet. You bet. Well, Congressman, uh, if you can hang on through this little break, we'll come back and finish up uh, after this. And, uh, folks, yeah, come on back, and we'll finish up with Congressman Mike Flood here on 1499.3 KLIN. You're listening to The Dan Parsons Show on 1499.3 KLIN. Hey, welcome back to the Monday edition. Thanks for sticking around, whatever you're doing on this lovely Monday afternoon. Uh, let me tell you what's coming up on tomorrow's show. Sandra Washington, uh, the vice chair of the Lincoln City Council, will join us. Uh, Tom Beckius, the chair of the city council, uh, is uh, out uh, out tomorrow. So uh, Sandra uh, will be joining us. Uh, Sandra Washington, I think her inaugural uh, appearance on the show. So we'll find out what's going on with our monthly check-in uh, with the city council tomorrow. So join us for that. We're back with First District Congressman Mike Flood. Uh, the congressman's uh, is on for a little... Uh, it's, it's not fair, Congressman, to call it a holiday because you're still working your tail off, uh, but you've got a break from uh, your work in Washington, and so you're back uh, in the district and then flying out uh, for some hearings later in the week. So anyway, appreciate your time, Congressman. Hey, I appreciate it. Nice to be on here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, my goodness. Uh, not to get off track here, but uh, just so many great things going on in your hometown in Norfolk. And I know that's been your home for a long, long time. And just uh, what a great city. I am proud of my hometown. You know, uh, we made a decision back in 2018 that uh, we weren't going to hit 2030 census uh, on our heels. We were going to grow. We were going to increase the number of 20 to 29-year-olds to live in that Madison County community, and we were going to do it by making our community more attractive to younger people. And when you walk up and down Norfolk Avenue on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Tuesday night, you see uh, shops and bars and uh, cigar lounge and a new hotel, two new hotels coming in, and you almost can't believe you're in a town of 24,000 surrounded by corn. Yeah. Uh, you wonder, where did I end up? And, you know, we've got live music all the time, and... Uh, Lincoln's doing the same thing. Yeah. Uh, Lincoln made itself more attractive to even to young people, and and uh, 
there are so many good things happening in rural communities that we don't do a good job. We talk about rural depopulation. I was recently in Columbus. I don't know if you've heard about this, but they've got a new uh, uh, pavilion, basically. It's a, it's a literally an entire soccer field hmm. under a brand-new uh, sports complex. It is the biggest thing of its size in Nebraska, bigger than Cook Pavilion. Wow. If you, if you want to raise kids in Columbus and you want to have year-round sports and you want to have uh, all the different amenities that they have, I mean, we don't do a good enough job bragging about what's happening in these communities because you simply can't find this in other similar-sized towns. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, we, as elected officials, everybody wants to focus on the negative. Yep. There are so many positive things that are happening. We've got things to celebrate, and they're in all sorts of these towns. Fremont has over 700 new apartments that have gone up in the last three or four years. Hmm. It's unreal. I mean... We could spend an entire show talking That's, about good things that are happening. Well, I appreciate that, Congressman, because it is a very diverse district, and and uh, and I appreciate your leadership, and I appreciate a shout out to Norfolk Mayor Josh Moning, who I know is a good friend of both of ours, and uh, the work that uh, that he's done. And I, I'm I'm disappointed to, to learn he's not running for uh, uh, another term, but I get that uh, he's he's done a lot of work there, and so. But yeah, your your district is so diverse, and so you bet anytime you want to talk about what's going on in the district uh i appreciate it because our listeners here in lincoln because it is uh so familiar uh with what we're doing here in lincoln uh of what's going on in norfolk uh and, and as, someday i'm going to get that post office moved out of the hay market and we are going to realize <laughs> the full potential of nebraska's premier entertainment district oh my goodness you know i'm on board with that because i live down there and i i see these semis uh either full of mail or empty of mail uh navigating uh this uh, the downtown haymarket district at all hours of the night and it's frankly it's a it's a hazard it's a safety hazard but anyway uh, i'm on board congressman <laughs> i'll help that effort anytime and we appreciate what the post office does for us yes absolutely yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, Congressman, uh, to finish up here, I just wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about this, uh, once again, looming government funding deadlines. Uh, and when the House returns to session, I believe on the 28th, uh, you'll have just uh, three legislative days to pass uh, legislation to avert another partial government uh, shutdown. So uh, help our listeners understand that. I'm trying to understand it myself. So, so, so there are 12 different appropriations bills. The House so far has passed seven of the appropriations of the 12, and the Senate has passed three of the 12. Now, that doesn't seem like the Senate really has any plan to pass any bills, and quite frankly, that's the way Chuck Schumer operates. He, he, he prefers to back everything up to Christmas Day or back everything up to Easter, back everything up to some holiday, and then force everybody to vote on some uh, billion, you know, hundred million page plan that uh, doesn't, and then nobody knows what's in it, and the, the House refuses to do that. And so uh, we must uh, recognize that we're working in the context of a divided government, and there doesn't seem to be any pressure on the other House, uh, that being the Senate, to get their work done. But here's the here's the great thing, and and I'm I'm proud of uh, Congressman Massey from the state of Kentucky. Thanks to him, when we passed that uh, Financial or Fiscal Responsibility Act, um, if Congress doesn't act, there are eventually automatic 1% cuts that will take effect across the board. 1% cuts. So that will mean 
if we don't do anything, every single agency of government will see a 1% cut for discretionary spending and uh, military spending. That's real money. So non-military. That does not affect Social Security. That does not affect Medicare. But that's real money. And if the Senate doesn't want to play ball, then they can explain to the American people, because they signed off on this plan over the summer, why there are 1% cuts. That doesn't mean we shouldn't get all 12 of our bills done, including the farm bill, which I'm 100% for getting that done and all of these. But uh, it's a little disheartening to see the Senate work with no real passion to find an agreement on the remaining bills under its control. Well, it, 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 and you you hit the nail right on the head, Congressman. Uh, it is a divided government, and it's difficult to get things done. Um, and I believe uh, the Republican majority is, what, down to three now, uh, if I remember that correctly? And so uh, it, it is a challenge uh, in, in a divided government to get uh, to get things done. Yeah, and I, I, sometimes, as you have, we've learned, it's... It, a challenge to get it done inside the Republican Party. In the House. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes. because you've got different factions, and, and the progressives have it too on the left. I yep. mean, uh, you see where Nancy Pelosi and Steny Hoyer are on one side, and and Ilhan uh, Omar and uh, AOC and others are on the other. You know, I I see it all the time within our political parties. But at the end of the day, the American people uh, rightfully can't understand why we can't just agree on a budget and move on. Um, it should be more simple than that. And I think um, the House has acted far more responsibly than the Senate. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Congressman, again, I appreciate your leadership. I appreciate uh, your time to spend with our listeners here on the Monday afternoon on a holiday to, to get caught up. And so uh, congratulations on your news conference tomorrow. We'll be listening, and I'm sure the KLIN newsroom will be covering that as well. So thanks, Congressman. All right, you have a good week. Thanks, Dan. Bye-bye. You bet. Take care, Congressman. All right, Congressman Mike Flood. It's always good to catch up with the Congressman. And, uh, uh, yeah, he's got, he's got a big job to do back there. And so we'll continue to keep track of that and, and, uh, keep you informed of what's going on as, uh, yeah, some big, some big issues to take care of. And so, uh, we'll keep you informed of that. Uh, one other, uh, story that came across, uh, the, the, uh, the transom here in the last, uh, oh, I guess couple hours that I wanted to mention before we uh, finish up here today. Uh, again, from our friends at Nebraska Examiner, the other nonprofit newsroom here in the state. Um, a new polling finds 70% support for legalizing medical cannabis. You know, we've talked about this issue on the air. Uh, we've had the medical cannabis uh, uh, supporters on to talk about their uh, uh, legislative or their uh, ballot uh, initiative uh, that they're trying to get on the ballot. Uh, but this story by Paul Hamill says a new polling found that 70% of people are ready to legalize medical marijuana in Nebraska. And a majority of those responding want to approve uh, a novel alternative uh, to property sales and income taxes. So anyway, we'll dig into that further. I just wanted to tee that up uh, as we finish up here on a Monday. Hey, that's the show. Folks, thanks for spending your President's Day with us here on the Dan Parsons Show. Uh, enjoy your evening. Celebrate appropriately. <laughs> and uh, go do good things. We'll see you back here tomorrow. <laughs>